hey guys, and welcome to The Messy Table. I'm Jen, and you're listening to episode number five with my friend Ashley Armstrong. But first, what is The Messy Table, and why are we here? Well, the point is to gather around a common place, one with messy bits and pieces, and simply encourage one another through this thing called life, while also reminding ourselves of God's truth and His faithfulness. If you haven't already, you can catch up with past episodes via The Messy Table on iTunes or on my personal blog at jenjewel.com. And today I'm chatting with an incredible lady, Ashley Armstrong, who's a personal trainer, a pastor's wife, and a mama of two. She's going to share all kinds of wisdom as a health and fitness nut, as well as her powerful personal story in raising the mighty Finn, her brave son who was born with spina bifida. There are buckets of insightful nuggets along the way, so grab some coffee, pull up a chair, and join us at the messy table. Well, hey, Ash. Hey, Jen. Thanks for joining me today. You're so welcome. Well, um, I kind of did a little introduction of you, but if you would just introduce yourself and give everyone a little glimpse into the life of Ashley Armstrong. Yeah, so I'm Ashley Armstrong. I am wife to Joey. He is the Life Group's Life Missions Pastor at the Broken Arrow Life Church Campus. And Life Church has been such a breath of fresh air for us in the last two, almost three years. Um, We've been married for almost 11 years. Jen, you and I, we have like a week apart wedding anniversary. That's so fun. So you're what? June 30th, 2006. Yep, and we're July 8th, so pretty fun. Um, before kids, Joey and I love to camp and hike and do anything outdoors. We love to rock climb, like on real rocks, um, in Colorado. (laughs) We even, um, spent one summer in Slovenia and we were ministering to outdoor adventure athletes and we got to rock climb in the Alps. It was pretty incredible. Man, Um, that would be gorgeous. Yeah. We did that before kids. We still love to travel and vacation, but we're not quite as risky um, and adventurous outdoors as we used to be. We have Finn, who's five, just turned five last month, and Paisley, who is almost three. Finn is a whole lot like his dad. He, The more people in the room, the better. He is super friendly and warm, and Paisley is funny. She's mischievous, smart, and she is always moving a little bit more like me. We love to be outside. Like I said, we love to be active. We love movies. We love to cook. Joey's actually a really great cook as well. And we are admittedly coffee snobs. So we, when we removed dairy from our diet a couple years ago, we realized that our coffee was terrible. And so we switched to really yummy, um, small batch locally roasted coffee. And we do a Chemex pour over every morning. So we so are do you drink it black? Snobby. Yes, definitely black. No creamer yep. at all. No. Nothing. No almond milk. Nothing. No, just black. Man. Yeah. That's us. I think I like a little more creamer than coffee, which do. isn't good. I'm trying to wean myself off of it. Yeah. So can we talk about how you married into the best name ever for your life? That's true. Yeah, I did. Um, I was going to talk about this a little later, but I love bringing it in right here. One of the one of the verses that stuck out to me as a teenager in the Proverbs 31 section, mm-hmm. little message, mm-hmm. was... Um, that she makes her arms strong. And I, for whatever reason, as a young girl, that really stuck out to me as something that's important for a woman not only to be strong spiritually, but also be physically strong. So mm-hmm. yes, last name's Armstrong. It's a pretty great personal trainer name. So you're a personal trainer. 
So how did your passion for health and fitness start? Obviously you and Joey were really active back in the day and are still now. How did that, but what was the beginning of it for you? So I always loved movement in high school. I played track and, um, or sorry, played softball and ran track, but I sat the bench. I was terrible at the actual sport. Mm -hmm. I just was really good at the off season training. (laughs) I loved that. And so uh, I loved running bleachers. I I loved the movement of it, but I never thought of myself as an athlete because I wasn't great at the sport. Um, in college, my side job was I taught kickboxing at the local YMCA at OBU. And, um, I always just kind of saw that as a hobby. So I taught high school English. That was that's what I did for my first three years out of college. Taught high school English. I was an English major, and I trained on the side at Baylor. Um, I realized quickly that I liked my side job better. I still got to teach, but I didn't have to deal with seventeen-year-old boys, right. and, which is no Man. fun. And so I went back to Baylor and got my master's in health and human performance. And I've been training for about 13 years. I'm not quite as awkward of a trainer as as I once was anymore. I love, love, love what I do, and I definitely consider it my calling. Um, Another piece of kind of my career is that I've recently, in the last five years, become more focused on nutrition as a trainer. I used to tell my clients just to eat healthy. And I didn't really realize they didn't understand what that meant. And it, it means a lot of things to different people. And so, um, I started removing some things that I felt like weren't serving my body very well. I, one of those was a dairy was dairy. So as a, as a personal trainer, I ate a lot of protein shakes and I'd feel bloated and kind of icky in my stomach. So I switched to a vegan protein shake and that all went away. I started, I felt better. I felt leaner and I found that Arbonne's tasted the best of the vegan protein shakes. And so I actually started um, as a consultant with Arvon last year, it's been such a good thing for our family financially and just for my clients to have a convenient, great option. Um, so that's been kind of a fun new thing mm-hmm. for me that has really advanced my clients' bodies um, in my own career. That's awesome. Yeah. So I've always been passionate about movement, like I told you, Mm -hmm. and physical fitness. But when Finn was born, Finn's our five-year-old, when he was born, this passion became my Kazone, which is our life church program for finding out your purpose, the Hebrew word for purpose. So Finn was born with spina bifida. This is a spinal birth defect. I had no idea what it was. I I had taken nutrition classes before, and I knew you were supposed to take folic acid pills so that you didn't have a child with spina bifida, but that's all I knew. So Finn has been in a wheelchair since he was 15 months old. He has a shunt in his brain that keeps spinal pressure down, and he has quite a few other health complications. We have seen miracle after miracle played out in his little life, and he is a daily reminder of God's grace and redemption to us. One thing, I love a million things about Finn, but he just doesn't make any excuses. He doesn't know he's different. He wants to do all the things other kids do, and he has more joy and optimism than most children or adults that we know. Um, When I listen to my clients make excuses for what they can't do, what, you know, why they can't be active, I think I've become a better, harder trainer because of Finn. Oh, I bet. (laughs) Uh, I just you don't have, have no sympathy. Excuse, right? Yeah, I have no sympathy for it. Now there are medical issues, legit medical issues. I understand, but 
Um, if you're talking to me about time or, you know, my knees hurt or whatever, I just don't have sympathy and it's made me a better trainer because Finn doesn't have the choice to jump or run or climb or cycle like I do. Um, so I expect a lot of my clients mm-hmm. when they have that choice and they're choosing not to do it. Uh, something that I feel like God's given me this, this phrase God's given me is that if you can move, you should and we can apply that to anything, right? We can, um, Jen, if you can write, you should. Mm-hmm. If you can sing, you should. If you can cook, you should. If you can serve, you should. All of these things that God's given us gifts, and if we're not using them, they're wasted. Man, that's so good. So your um, sweet Finn and my Jack are, they're also really close yeah, in very age. close, like yeah. a month. Yeah. Maybe. I think maybe even just a go, because he's yeah. is he February 27th. Yeah. yeah, and the 16th, so they're really close. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So we should be friends. Oh, man, <laughs> I tell you what, I'm a little bit jealous. You came to the Broken Arrow campus after we had left to launch the Jinx campus, um, I believe. Is that, what yeah. it, is that what it was? Yeah. And then now we're at the South Broken Arrow campus, but I'm a little jealous that we have not been at a campus together, and we get coffee here and there, and I just adore you um, so much, but... I feel the same way. They do. We need to get our boys together because I guarantee you that um, Jack would be riding with him. Oh, I know he would. Yeah. (laughs) With swords in hand, I'm sure. So um, speaking of, so Finn happens to drive a wheelchair. Can you tell us a little bit more? You kind of touched on it, but tell us a little bit more about his story. Yeah. So Finn was our first child, pregnant with him. I had some complications, so I was monitored real closely until the 17 week. Yeah. Month, not month. That would be miserable. <laughs> Seventeen week mark. Oh my gosh, oh, I couldn't wow. handle it. And, I'm not um, a good pregnant girl either. Oh me either, Jen. Um, so at that point, the complications had stopped, and so we went in to find out the gender, and the technician got all awkward, and she left the room, and they sent us to another room, so we knew something was wrong. So. They sent us to a specialist who told us our son had spina bifida and showed us the little opening in his spine, which is, there's kind of like a lesion in the spine. His is at L4, L5. And um, I was angry. I mean, I remember Joey and I just sobbing in that room. And, you know, there was kind of a stage, stages of rooms. They took us to the next room where they broke more news and then the next room where they broke more news and gave us statistics and medical terms and um, just too much, you know, too, too much to take in for a first pregnancy mm-hmm. uh, or any pregnancy. But I was angry during that pregnancy. I was probably depressed, maybe a little clinically depressed. Joey and I, I think many nights cried ourselves to sleep. Um, I remember <laughs> listening to him just kind of weep. Mm-hmm. And that's so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think he cried at our wedding. <laughs> so right. to hear him cry um, was really hard. And, and you know, everyone has high hopes for their children. We all have great dreams for our children before they're born. But I think we take things for granted a lot, like right. walking, um, mm-hmm. being born with all the limbs, being formed correctly, peeing, pooping, thinking clearly, seeing. These things are gifts. Mm-hmm. And they're miracles that aren't afforded to everyone. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, yeah. So did you have other friends, I imagine, that were getting pregnant and finding out the gender of their baby and there weren't complications? And I can't, I can't even imagine what would be going through your brain. Yeah. Well, and that's what, that's what I want for my friends. Oh, of you course. know, that's what you would want. That's, that's how a gender reveal appointment should be. It should be right. fun. And, you right. know, we had 
an idea planned out for how to tell our parents. Instead, we were telling our parents their grandson won't walk. And so, Gosh. yeah, it was hard. And it was hard to follow other friends' pregnancies. Um, one instance that kind of stands out to me as I was getting bigger and bigger, I was still a trainer at the gym. And, of course, I didn't tell many people. Um, it was just really difficult to mm-hmm. even talk through. But I remember a man coming up to me. I was teaching a cycling class toward the end of my pregnancy huge, you know, eight months pregnant. And I remember him coming up to me and saying, girl, that baby's going to jump right out of your womb. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's going to come out just running and he's going to, you know, implying he would be so physically active because mm-hmm. I was, and I remember going to the back room and just uh, bawling, just sobbing right. because that wouldn't be the case. Yeah. And I felt like it should. Um, I struggled with some guilt thinking it was my fault. You know, when it's in your body, mm-hmm. <laughs> you feel like it's your fault. And so I, you know, I'd taken prenatals like I should have. I did all the right things. And I think that's a life lesson I've learned is that you can do all of the right things, but mm-hmm. you're not in control. Right. And I am not in control of, Me neither. of my womb, of my life. <laughs> God is in control of that. And, and this was a hard, um, way to learn it. Mm. But I remember sitting in the specialist waiting room and I was angry that I had to share this space with women who were obese, women who were addicted to substances, teenage mothers, all these high risk pregnancies. I remember just thinking so being so prideful that, you know, I took care of my body. Why am I in here? You know, Mm -hmm. just sort of being angry at God and, and God humbled me, um, reminding me that, he was in control and that I was not above this, you know, that, that Finn would still be a blessing, that this wasn't a punishment. This, mm-hmm. w- this was still going to be a blessing for me, but yeah, it was tough, mm-hmm. tough pregnancy during, during the pregnant, once we found out, you know, most people are very gracious. Um, anytime anyone's going through a difficult time, people are going to say stupid things and they don't mean to, you know, we all get awkward when we don't quite know how to talk through things, but sometimes people would ask, or say silly things that were hurtful, like, um, did you try praying like this? Oh, or have you maybe, you know, maybe you don't have enough faith and that's so hurtful. And, and that's, you know, re- reminds us of that story of Jesus asking or the, the little boy. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember the story. Yeah. Yet. Where he's sick. I don't remember the yeah. exact story, but, um, and, and Jesus said it wasn't, it someone, wasn't him. Someone asked who sinned. Yeah. And he said it wasn't him or his parents yeah. that sinned, but this happened so that, um, God's glory may be revealed. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. man, we just don't, <laughs> I think we can all want to take something that doesn't go the way we planned in life and try to give it answers. And God's ways are so much bigger than ours that we're just not always going to have that. Like you said, we're not in control, even though we want to be in control. And, you know, one day all will be revealed, maybe. (laughs) Um, But we just, it's not always our place to know. And if we did know everything, then it wouldn't take faith at all. Right. Yeah. So how has this circumstance challenged your faith? And how has it increased it? So my faith has been increased. Um, you know, your, your whole idea of prayer changes when you're asking for something that's very pressing, very real to you. And 
I remember Joey and I both during the pregnancy going into the room that would be Finn's and praying on our knees for him and for his little body that nothing would be missing or broken and um, the verse would come to us I should know this by heart that he will cover you with his wings Mm -hmm. Um, I love that idea of God covering Finn's hole in his spine with Mm -hmm. his wings and protecting it so our faith was increased in that we would pray for things and some weren't answered the way we asked for but a lot were Mm -hmm. for one example is in his very first CT scan when he was born, there was a part of his brain that was missing called the corpus callosum, and um, it was, just wasn't there. It was, they, you know, on our report it said agenesis of the corpus callosum or callosum. And um, the next CT scan, six months later, it had reappeared. <laughs> so we specifically asked for prayer about wow. that, and it was there. And, you know, the doctor said, oh, it must have been a false scan the first time, but we know that was God. Wow. <laughs> and so little, little big miracles like that. So that's increased my faith. Also, my faith has been challenged. My, my idea of perfection has shifted. Mm-hmm. My idea of what it means for a human to be formed perfectly has shifted because I think my idea of perfection is very flawed, mm-hmm. very flawed. And healing has, um, the idea of healing has shifted mm-hmm. and my, my whole theology has kind of shifted and who I believe God to be. But for one, in terms of healing, our, Joey and I beg God for healing for Finn, complete healing. And one time in prayer, I, I felt God answer me. I was asking for him to take this away. And I remember him saying to me, um, or felt him saying to me, I have, I have healed him. Mm -hmm. I have healed him and I have healed you spiritually. God has healed us. He, he has healed Finn. Amen. And that just Mm -hmm. shows how much I value physical healing over spiritual healing. Right. If I, if I'm not satisfied with God's answer, it means that to me, I'd rather, I'd rather care more about what I can see than what I know. Right. And so I love that idea and it keeps me going because I feel like our spiritual healing is so much more important, so much more eternal than our, than our physical healing. One to think about in light of eternity, how should we treat our bodies in light of eternity? How do we view this broken world? You know? And, um, like you said, I think realizing that, yeah, um, just like, uh, Timothy four, eight says physical training is good, but training for godliness is better promising benefits in this life and the life to come. And just knowing that we're just a little blip on the radar of, um, eternity. And no matter how well we take care of these bodies and yes, our body is the temple of the Holy spirit and we are called to take care of them. Um, that that's, you can't stop there because no matter how well we take care of our bodies or no matter, um, what we have going on in our bodies, that's, they're not going to last in this form and that they will be whole and complete and without flaw the way that God intended, um, in time. Yeah. Another place where I feel like my faith has increased was another, I can remember exactly where I was. I was driving home from work. The windows were down and the sun was setting. Um, in Norman, you can actually, you could see the horizon a little bit better there. And I remember we were praying for this CT scan and to change. And, um, I remember saying 
even if it doesn't, mm-hmm. you are still God. Mm-hmm. And so I got that thought from Daniel three seventeen and 18, and I'll just read it here. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, but even if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And for me, this meant that even if God doesn't answer these prayers for my son, I will not serve other gods. And I was tempted, for sure, I was tempted to wander. I was tempted to give up this idea of who I thought God was. And I I was tempted to to just do it on my own. But it was a good anchor for me to be reminded that even if he doesn't answer my prayers, I will not serve other gods. He's still my God. And I think that most people listening to this today are facing something. And it might not be exactly what you went through, but I'm facing something. You're facing something. Every single person is listening and we are tempted to put our trust into something else because we don't feel like this is going the way that we want it to. And so I know that we can all relate Mm -hmm. to that and, and use those words really wherever we are. So you started an important conversation on your blog. Um, Ashley has a blog. She's an amazing writer. Um, And the little series was called How to Treat Kids Who Are Different. And you also had some other mamas and um, people who have gone through similar experiences as you come right alongside of you and um, offer some advice and words of encouragement. And Yeah, so just some of the top ideas that I would love to share with people. My friends ask me, how, you know, how do you want us to talk about Finn? How, how should we talk to our kids about Finn? Because kids are curious mm-hmm. and rightly so, and we love it when when we're asked questions. So a couple And thoughts. that's a great question because yeah. a lot of um, adults even, you know, want to be sensitive about the topic and don't want to say the wrong thing and don't want to yeah. be that person that totally, right. you know, screws it up. Yeah, I've but, been there. Mm-hmm. I've, I've felt awkward when someone's grieving a loss or um, miss, you know, you just don't know what to say right. when you haven't been through it. So how to treat kids who are different. A couple of the top things are people first language. So you wouldn't say a down syndrome boy, you would say a boy with down syndrome. Mm -hmm. So people first, people always come first. You know, I, I saw an article that talked about an athlete with down syndrome. I loved that, how they, how they gave him, you know, his, him first. Absolutely. So that's important. Avoid words that are negative, like wrong. So when you're talking to your kid about, about someone who might be different, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say his, his legs don't work. There's something wrong with him. Mm-hmm. You would say he uses a wheelchair right. because his legs are different. Bring out the positive. So yeah, just kind of flip it, make it different. Have conversations with your kids about how we're all different in some ways. Like right mm-hmm. now I'm wearing glasses. I wear glasses on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my eyes don't work great, you know, and, and so I wear glasses and help. Do you want to tell everybody why you only wear them on Wednesdays? (laughs) I I train clients from seven to 11 on Wednesdays. It's my short day. And so that means I don't get a workout in. And so I wear glasses because I don't get sweaty on Wednesdays. (laughs) I give my contacts a break. Um, kind of weird. So my, my Wednesday clients think I only wear glasses, which is really funny. And then my other clients don't know I wear glasses. When they see you in glasses, yeah. they're surprised. So glasses. You know, we all know someone who wears glasses or someone who has 
maybe some braces on their legs or someone who only has one limb or someone who is a different color skin or a different, you know, nationality, whatever, just have conversations with your kids about how we all know people who are different. How are you different? And then of course, tie it back to how we're alike, how we're very much the same, how Finn and Jack both love playing cars and swords and Paw Patrol, but you know, one uses wheels and one uses its legs. So, um, and then I think it's important for us to ask, do we spend time with people who are different? Mm-hmm. So if we're wanting our kids to treat people who are different well, are we doing that? You know, are we right. modeling that for them? Or do all our friends look the same and talk the same and smell the same? Right. So kind of take inventory of yourself. And then the last one is to talk to us. Ask us. Ask us our story. Don't, you know, shush your kids. Come on over. Get on our level. Get in Finn's eyes. Ask his name. Tell us your story. You know, that's, we we want to be invited. We want to be talked to. We don't want to be avoided. I can't remember if it was you that said it. It might have even been on the same blog, but, um, or I've heard it. It was probably you. Um, But you said if you want to know how to treat someone with, that's different. Watch their sibling yeah. because they don't. They're not going to treat them any different. They're going to fight with them. Yeah. They're going to not that we should fight yeah. with them, but yeah, yeah. they're going to just. They know that they're just a normal person. Paisley started bawling, bawling on the way home from church last week, and I was like, "What is going on, girl?" And she said that she wants to be big. And I was like, "Well, you are. You know, you're a big girl." No, I want my wheelchair. She wants wants to graduate. She wants her own set of wheels. Yeah, she thinks her next stage of development is a wheelchair. So, yeah, she does not treat Finn any different. Mm -hmm. So I loved one thing that you wrote, a lot of things that you wrote in this blog, but one thing that um, I have right here written down is you said we are all disabled in some way, right? Some of us come from crappy homes. Some of us aren't very good in social situations. Some of us are too loud or too quiet. Some of us struggle with addiction. Some of us struggle in our minds. Some of us feel mastered by food. Finn's disability, and others like him, is just more visible. He can't hide it. And I think this actually makes him more free to be himself. Mm-hmm. And I just love that because we all, we like you said, we all are disabled in some way. I mean, we all have stuff that we're going through. And, and we try to hide it. We do. And there's all kinds of levels of quote-unquote um, special needs. But we all have our own issues and limitations and trials. And like you said, I love that he doesn't have to hide it. And so then he doesn't even know that it's an issue because yeah. it's really not. Right. I think with each unique child, we have to ask God, um, how do I love and parent the child you gave me? Mm-hmm. I mean... I know that my kids have their own quirks and struggles and personalities and things that, you know, I, I could give them just a blanket answer, but really, um, things go better for my parenting whenever I'm coming along side of them, getting down on my knees, looking in their faces and being compassionate towards maybe what they're going through. That's good, Jen. So as moms, we do a lot of hard things behind the scenes that no one else sees, um, Add to the list any kind of special care, therapy, maybe behavioral complexities or medical issues. Um, 
so where do you find your hope and sanity in those difficult times? Because I know there's some people that are listening right now and maybe they have a special needs child and it's just really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, um, they have a a strong willed toddler and it's really, really hard. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we all can feel hopeless. So where do you find your hope? Especially when you think back to some of those really difficult times. Yeah. Well, my hope is anchored in God, obviously. Um, I'm just reminded of his goodness in our lives and his his patience with me as his child. And I, whenever I find myself sort of embarrassed by Finn or wanting him to change something, like he has this kind of funny tendency and it drives me crazy when I see him doing it. It, it only bothers me because it reflects on me. Like I'm, I'm so prideful sometimes that... I want my child to look a certain way or to be put together and and it it's my own embarrassment sure. because I think it reflects on me and it doesn't. It's there's no harm in it. It's just Finn, you know. And so I have to remind myself to love Finn and Paisley individually just the way they are and get myself out of the picture. Um, when when life gets hard, you know, there's a lot of extra things that special needs parents do. Mm. And for me, it's always good to find get a little dose of perspective. <laughs> go overseas. <laughs> um, go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime we have an ER visit or we go for checkups to our neurologist, there is all, it's, it can always be worse, right? There's always someone who's dealing with something that's just a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure God's given them the right amount of grace to deal with that. And so I just try to keep perspective that and not get kind of into myself like a pity party. That's such ugly behavior. And when I find myself doing that, I know I've not been in the word enough. Mm -hmm. That's really good. So changing subject just a little bit. Um, So obviously faith and fitness collide in your world. So how does that shift your perspective? Yeah, so in my master's degree, we talked a whole lot of about holistic health, holistic with an H. So holistic, it is it's it is everything combined. We are one being and and I I can make this a little bit spiritual in that the trin like think of it in the trinity is one. We don't separate out Jesus God, Holy Spirit, Father Holy Spirit. It is one, and it, I don't think it was ever intended to be sectioned out. Right, you but know? it's still it's, part of one, even still, though it's three three parts of right, how we yeah, categorize. Yeah, different parts, and so I think the same is true in our lives. That you know, we might think we've got one area of our life just down. You know, like we are spiritually on fire. We're in our word every morning or whatever, but we're letting our body just suffer. You know, we're abusing our body with what we put in it throughout the day. And I think we underestimate how much those interplay. Mm-hmm. So when one area of our life is out of balance or broken, you could say the others get out of whack too. Um, for example, I deal with this with my clients, my female clients, particularly that when you don't love your body, mm-hmm. when you don't feel good in your own skin, you kind of start to hate your girlfriends. <laughs> you you're like rude to women who mm-hmm. look good, mm-hmm. you know, or, or you don't, believe your husband when he tells you you're beautiful, you know, these silly kind of petty things, yeah. but they really can affect our, our relationships, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, everything kind of interplays. Like I said, I, this is, I don't like to give Satan too much credit, but I, but I, I think this is important to state that Satan does 
what works in us as men and women. He, he's, he's found, I think what works. And for men, I believe that's sex. I think that's a, that's a struggle. Sex is a struggle in many different ways, whether that's porn or whatever. In women, I think it's self image Mm -hmm. and, and body issues. And those, those relate to each other, right? If, if he can get men fixated on women's bodies and women fixated on their own bodies, then we're all just destroyed. Right. You know, Cause if it's... I asked 10 women right now, what they loved about their bodies, they probably couldn't give me a long list of answers, but I asked them what, if I asked them what they hated about their body, oh, yeah. they would say their thighs or their stomach or their nose or their, you know, we all have things. Yeah. Yeah. And it works every time it works. You know, it, it, we all struggle with that. Even the most confident of women struggle with things like that. And so we have to renew our mind. Mm-hmm. That's where faith and fitness interplay for me is that our mind has to be renewed. And then we have to take care of the temple, the body God's given us. Self-talk is really important. Changing your habits is huge. I'm just like a habit junkie. I love the book power of habit. Um, the compound effect, Slight Edge. These are all fantastic books about habits and how small daily choices yield massive results. And I work on habits with my clients a lot too. We talk about not, you know, let's say you want to lose 20 pounds. We talk about the process, not the end. I did that just this morning with a client and okay, well, how are you going to get to the 20 pounds? You're going to make it to the gym four times a week. So let's focus on making it to the gym instead of just the 20 pounds. So I think it's really important for us to remember our bodies are spiritual Mm -hmm. and that it's one way we can honor God's creation by honoring our body. I like that. Our bodies are spiritual because it's all one. Um, I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. Yeah. And I think just remembering that this is the house that houses our soul right now. And if we don't take care of it, then nobody else is going to. Right. Yeah. I love that. Well, that's really good. I could preach, Jen. I could preach. (laughs) Come on. Don't give me too much time. Well, that's good stuff. So, um, obviously... Work is a big part of your life. Family is a big part of your life. Church, health, you have a whole bunch of hats that you wear. So what does it look like, practically speaking, to find some kind of a balance? And I know that balance, I say this every time, it's not a real thing, it's a myth. But um, what is kind of either your daily routine or some way that you um, kind of make things happen? Yeah. Well, I loved that when you said that in LaTanya's interview, um, her podcast, LaTanya, if you're out there, I love you. (laughs) Um, LaTanya and I I can relate in a lot of ways, I think. And so, um, I just want to loop you right back to that podcast with LaTanya about work-life balance. I just echo everything she said. Um, I am naturally an achiever. And so I try to balance everything and do everything well equally. And that's not possible. Like you said, that's a Mm -hmm. myth. And so I might think I'm doing things well equally. And then all of a sudden I implode and I don't really know why. And it's because I've been balancing too many things. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe, you know, sometimes I try give things equal time in my life, but not all things hold equal importance. Right. So true. And so for me, the biggest thing I've, uh, I was also, my life was changed by Shauna Nyquist's book, Present Over Perfect. I read it during Christmas this year. We're going to have Shauna yeah. sit at our messy table Shauna. and you and Latanya are going to come over and we're just going to, yes, I'll, I'll make something from her bread and wine recipe. Yes. Book. Perfect. Um, <laughs> 
but she talks about concentric circles, and Latanya mentioned this too, but I realized that I was treating um, complete strangers with better customer service mm-hmm. than I was my own family. I would bend over backward, do anything for clients. I barely knew than than I would for Joey or for my children. And, and I was just so disgusted by that. I was very convicted of that. And Why so, do you think we do that? I don't know. Because I think we all do it. I think I, think we, I know my family loves me. They're not going to go anywhere. Yeah, I've got them. They love me. Mm-hmm. They've accepted me. And the strangers haven't. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'm trying, I'm trying to achieve their stamp of approval or their um, acceptance in right. some way. We naturally, our sinful nature just wants to be um, liked and we want others' approval and we... Yeah, I don't like to fail people. Mm -hmm. And so I think, yeah, just with strangers or with people at work, I I don't want to fail them. I want to do it all and I can't. And so this is something that I had to accept about myself is that I cannot do it all. I can't do it all. It's not possible. And I can't do it all well, that's for sure. And you might so, be able to do it all a little bit, but the people you love the most will suffer. Yeah, that's exact. Jen, you're reading my notes. This is exactly what I was about to say. If anything must suffer, it has to be my work. Mm. It can't be my family. Mm-hmm. So I've had to reprioritize my life. So I haven't quit my job like Latanya, but, um, <laughs> but, which is awesome. She's episode number one, by the way, if anyone awesome. wants yes. to go back and listen. Episode number one. Um, but I have to put my phone in the other room when I'm home with my family or I can't help myself. I'll check my emails and my text messages. So I'm getting better at this, but it's taking some work. We're all a work in progress. I know I am for sure. So, um, and as far as your daily routine, is there anything that you do every day that you feel like helps contribute to just you feeling good or yeah, girl. So, um, I wake up to the kids I wish I didn't. I wish that I, I'm just not a morning person. I think that's like the cardinal rule of a personal trainers. You have to be a morning person. I'm just not, I really am not. So, um, you're divergent. You're your own person. (laughs) There you go. I like that. Um, I do wake up to the kids. I, like I said, I wish that were different, but it's not. We calf Finn every morning, catheterize, mm-hmm. and that takes about 20 minutes. We help dress him. We're trying to help him learn how to dress himself. Um, Paisley does all of the things herself. She's pretty self, self-independent. In- we have coffee every morning. So Joey's in charge of Chemex coffee, and he weighs our coffee on a scale, <laughs> and he times the water, and it's boiled to a certain number, and he's researching coffee beans at night. He is become a coffee nerd completely. Uh, We have a green shake for breakfast every morning, and that's something that has been nice for us, not to spend any mental energy on breakfast. Mm -hmm. Breakfast is the same every morning. We love it every morning. It's healthy. I know it's good for me, and I can drink it on the way to work. Mm -hmm. And so that's really helped save some space in our life. Uh, um, It's got greens and almond butter and coconut milk and vegan protein powder. Yum. And we go to work. I work four days out of the week. We both have off on Fridays. So I love that I've... That's nice. As Joey, as a pastor, has off on Friday. I've protected Fridays. And and we'll do that forever. I love having Fridays off with him. So he yeah. and I work out together on Fridays. He Sometimes he lets me train him. Most the day of, the time of love every week. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I eat in the locker room between cl- clients. My clients are on the hour every hour. So I eat snacks just about between every client. I work out at some point during the day, whether when someone cancels or at the end of my day. Then I answer phone calls and emails and text messages. I pick up Finn 
Um, we make dinner. Joey and I kind of make dinner together. We bathe the kids usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we dance party. Do you dance party? We totally dance party. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. We're what crazy. are your kids listening to right now? Oh, I don't. It, we don't have a specific thing necessarily. Well, I say that. Um, Hallie, I don't even know honestly if she knows who Justin Bieber is, but she <laughs> loves the. Um, what is it? Can't stop the feeling. Is that what it is? Timberlake. I, is that Timberlake? Jen Jewel. Timberlake. I don't even know. <laughs> anyway, so she is yes. loving that. Yes, our kids do. The, they're into the Trolls soundtrack right Man, now, I'm which so, is what that is. I'm so hip. You're so cool, Jen. <laughs> I know. I, know I so won't much. tell. I won't tell JT that you messed, that you called him Bieber. Except for when he's listening to this podcast, of course. <laughs> then he'll oh. know. So I have to so, stop you real quick. Yeah. Okay, so you said that you cast Finn every day, and it takes about 20 minutes. So for me hearing that, it's like, man, wow. Yeah. Are you used? to it and yeah you just do what you gotta yeah, do right absolutely I mean we all do just but do it I was just curious yeah it's not fun sure. it's not fun and some is days he used I hate to it. it yeah he's used to it but you know it's it's hard trying to pin down a five-year-old who's just woken up and he's like flopping all over the place and oh, it's, yeah. it's hard and I'm tired and right my back hurts sometimes mm-hmm. and and I'm strong you know I can't imagine moms who do this kind of stuff lifting wheelchairs throughout the day and lifting kids whose half of their body doesn't move, you know, it's hard work. It's hard physical work. And so that's another reason why I have to be physically strong for Finn. That's why your name is Armstrong. That is true. And that's why God made your arm strong. I know. He knew what he was doing. He did. All right. So is there anything that you are reading or watching or listening to that kind of helps keep you inspired? You already mentioned, um, a few books, but is there anything else? Yeah, I'm going through Visioneering by Andy Stanley right now. Yes. He has a Bible plan on, on the YouVersion app as well. But his book's awesome because I read a lot of entrepreneurial mm-hmm. books. And they're a little more just, just nuts and bolts. And Andy Stanley's giving me the spiritual side. Yeah, of you get both. It's I, huge. It's, I did the Bible plan, but I haven't read the you, book. Mm-hmm. It's rocking my world. I really love it. That's I'm reading um, Divine Direction with our life group yeah. right now by... Craig Rochelle, the one and only. <laughs> and um, I go through something called the five-minute journal. Have you heard of this? Uh, five-minute journal, not the yeah. five-year journal? Nope, five-minute okay. journal. Tell us so about every it. morning, it's got, it's got prompts. So what would be great today? Mm-hmm. List three. What would be great if this happened today? List three things. What are you grateful for? List three things. And then there's like a dotted line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of make it more like a prayer. And then at the end of the day, you reflect back and what, what happened that was awesome today? What could have I done better? You know, and it's just sort of a reflection on the day. And it's really cool to see how even in one day, God answers prayers, you know, things that I specifically prayed for in the morning that when I get to the end of the day and I reflect back on they, they've happened or haven't, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's been, it's really cool because I'm not sure if I hadn't written it down. I don't know that I would have seen the miracle that happened Absolutely. during the day. Gosh, so, that's so good. I feel like yeah. often we um, set goals, maybe beginning of the year, or I know I'm always writing down prayers, but I feel like um, I don't know that I look back at the end of the day and say, what prayer did God answer today from this yeah. morning when I prayed it? Yeah, kind of take inventory. That's challenging. I want to do that. Joey and I are starting to do Bible plans together. We used to kind of do our own thing, but I like the idea of doing yeah. it together. I talk about it. Yeah. Um, and then this is really ridiculous, but we're going back through the Downton Abbey series. Yeah. So we're like in uh, season two or three right now, and it's so great. So, so I so have never fun. gotten into that, but mm-hmm. I know so many people that love it. Yeah. So I feel like I'm missing out. It's pretty fun. 
All right, Ash, so last, um, last little bullet. What advice would you give to believers regarding maybe fitness or just some kind of health that they can take with them as they go today? I would say to take inventory of your life, like, like on paper. Take, a, take some inventory. What are things that are not serving you and your family for eternity? and what's holding you back from greatness that God has for you, and then get rid of it. I mean, it might be your pantry. It really might be the processed foods or the Starbucks run or the fast foods every day. You've got to get rid of it if it's Mm -hmm. holding you back from greatness. Um, I don't know what it is for you, but get rid of it. And I know some people listening, you might be like, greatness, like, uh, but you could even say, from what God is calling you to do, like what's holding you back, what's right. keeping you from maybe even, um, you think, well, I'm going to get there eventually, but okay. What's, what's weighing you down and keeping you from getting there quicker. Right. Right now. Yeah. Now. Cause there's really not a great time Never. to change, right? There's never. So just do it now. Um, don't feel guilty for taking care of your body. I would tell women that I think women feel guilty for taking care of their body, taking an hour out of their day to the, go to the gym or or even to exercise in their living room. Don't don't feel guilty for that. Mm-hmm. We could find lots of verses that argue that's a good thing for you. <laughs> and then um, change your habits, I think, is the biggest thing. Change your habits. I tell my clients that it is so much better to be really, really good in the long term than to be perfect in the short term. So we're going for sustainability. We want right. a lifestyle change. And so... Being perfect isn't sustainable, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I don't know how you do it, Jen. <laughs> I'm just oh, teasing. Geez. I'm just teasing. Well, look a little closer. I know. We've both talked about that. But it's just not sustainable. So so work on being really good. Right. So do you allow yourself, like, cheat days as far as working out or eating healthy? Like, how, do you, how does that work for you yeah. to where it's like, okay. That's a good question. So for us... Like we allow ourselves to have dessert on special occasions. Mm-hmm. We have to define what a special occasion is, or we could come up with one. <laughs> That's um, so true. But I don't really have cheat days or maybe like a, you could call it a cheat meal, but that's, that's again, it's like, I want this kind of a lifestyle. Do. Like dessert at special occasions, yeah. like birthdays and. Yeah. Um, so I think what also helps with sustainability is finding meals that you look forward to that are really healthy Mm -hmm. because you don't want to eat chicken and broccoli and brown rice bland every single night or you're going to need a cheat day, Mm -hmm. you know, but if you're finding fantastic recipes, if you need help with that, I'd love to help, um, that you look forward to just as much as you would if you were going out for pizza night, then that's sustainable. So Absolutely. changing your habits, mm-hmm. um, stop whining, start doing. So I think we don't have a whole lot of room to whine or complain about things that we could change. Mm-hmm. And so obesity for one is 100% preventable and, and not just obesity, but body issues, whether it's, you know, the other end of the spectrum too. So awesome. Yeah. Well, Ash, you're amazing. You are a just phenomenal, real, um, down-to-earth person and a woman of God and an incredible mama, super mama. I would give you that title, absolutely. Uh, no way. I'll give you a cape. <laughs> well, I know we all appreciate the wisdom and vulnerability that Ashley brought to the table today. Real quick, I want to touch on the story we referenced earlier, but neither of us had the exact wording or details. So it's from John 9, and I'm just going to read it. 
As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Jesus answered, it was not because of his sin or his parents' sin. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. And just speaking of Finn's story or my adorable nephew who happens to have an extra chromosome or our good friends whose 10-year-old daughter has type 1 diabetes and so many stories um, that we're all facing that are just difficult to understand. Did these things happen because we sinned or because our parents sinned? Well, no. And even though we can't fully comprehend it now, this happened um, in this story so that the power of God could be seen. And this goes for any of our situations. We ask why, but um, God points to who. We see a mountain, but God sees an opportunity. We see something difficult, but God sees space to show off His glory in unlikely places. And as always, just thank you for joining us today at The Messy Table. We hope it will encourage you in your actual day-to-day real life and most importantly, point us all back to God. Thank you.